0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honors have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed
1: by the things that you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore. Dream, discover. Mark Twain.
2: I, I think I'll just tell him keep hiking. Um just keep walking. It's I don't think I'll try to give him any words of wisdom or anything complex. Um I wouldn't want to foreshadow anything for him either, because I would want him to completely experience what he did over these past few years without any plans, without any hints, without any tips and tricks. Um, cause that's part of the fun. That's part of the journey is like getting to go through that. So it would be something simple. It would be something simple that would make him kind of question. Why is this person talking to me? <laughs> it would be a Mickey Mouse voice. Just keep walking.
1: Now I'm curious. Why, why did that question give you the feels?
2: It's, I don't know, because thinking back on where I was six years ago to where I am now, um, and doing all these trails it's just become so ingrained into me that this is my life that I don't know. There's a big difference, I think, between who I was six years ago and who I am now. And I would like to say it's a better difference. I'd like to say I've grown. Um, It is always dependent on what other people say because I can think I've grown, but if other people don't, I won't go too much into that. But it's, it's a big change. It's a big change for me and I think that past Constantine needed those miles and needed those years to get to the point he is today, but it's a big change.
1: I'm Doc, and this is the John freaking pod. To the John Freakin' Muir Pod, lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, help us out. Take just a minute. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. This week, we are going to hear about a U.S. trail that we have not previously discussed on the podcast, the North Country Trail. This week's guest reached out to me via the podcast website and told me a little, little bit about his time on the NCT, and I knew we had to have him on to share his experiences. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod Triple Crowner and NCT hiker, Ryan Bunting.
2: Thanks for having me on, Doc. Um, NCT hiker. I haven't heard it put like that, but uh, I guess we did. Yeah, I guess we walked those miles. So it's it's an amazing trail, man. I'm I'm stoked to talk about it.
1: Have I just coined a new term? Can I put a trademark on that?
2: You can. I, I think you can. Uh, um, there might not be a lot of people you can uh, that will fall underneath that term because there's not a lot of people that do the NCT in general. But yeah, you're free to have that term. I mean, I'm not the power that be. Is the power that be? But you're. You're free on my end.
1: Okay, you heard it here. Nice. <laughs> now, have you heard of Apple Pie? Not the I food. Have, not actually, the food, but the the hiker.
2: Yes, yes, we actually uh, ran into each other about twice out on the trail this year.
1: I think she's um, still out on the NCT right now.
2: Yeah, it blows my mind. Um, actually, my partner and I, we kind of have a funny segment. We're like, "Where's Apple Pie today?" And we check in and see the miles she's doing and like the snow she's going through. Ooh, the mentality she has to have to step off those miles consistently. I mean, I don't think I could do it. It's impressive to no degree how she gets after it.
1: Yeah, I stumbled across her feed on, on Instagram and I reached out to her and she got back to me. I shot out her out there on the trail in the snow. And when she had some signal, she got back to me, and said that she'd be happy to sit down and talk with me when she's off the trail. So I can't wait to hear about uh, some of her her stories and, and her fortitude. It's, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, we actually ran into her one time in Ohio. Excuse me. Not Ohio. One time in Minnesota going through the Kekabatic Wilderness. Um, It's the Boundary Waters canoe area up there. And like middle of nowhere, we ran across her there. Then we actually ran across her in PA because she was doing an NCT flip-flop hike. So she was going eastbound first. And then she flipped up to North Dakota and started going back that way as well. So it was amazing running into another thru-hiker out there.
1: Nice. All right. Now, hey, on the podcast, we go strictly by trail names, so I won't be calling you Ryan for much longer. Uh, I imagine, looking at your hiking resume, that you somewhere along the trail, you had to have come up with or had to have been given a trail name. Do you have a trail name? Yes,
2: I do. It's, it's Constantine.
1: Constantine. And, and tell us the story behind the, the trail name Constantine.
2: Man, I wish I had a more interesting story for you. Um, so it actually began on the AT back in 16, uh, my first hike out there. And my trail name was actually Icy Hot, like within the first week, because I rolled into Muskrat Creek Shelter. It's like the first shelter across the North Carolina line from Georgia. And I went into there shivering, like borderline hypothermic, like freezing cold. It'd been pouring on me all day. And I'm just, yeah, bundled up, shivering, getting into the shelter, dump some hot sauce in my ramen. And with the hot sauce, all my shivers stopped. So somebody was like, oh man, you rolled in here icy and now you're hot. So The icy hot. But then the next day, my buddy and I were climbing the mountains and stepping off the miles there. And he's like, you know what? That's too much of a mouthful. Um, We got to figure out a name that rolls off the tongue a little bit better. So he's like, have you ever seen the movie Constantine? I told him, no, 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 I haven't. He's like, you kind of remind me of the character, because back in 2016, when I first started hiking, I kind of was all upper body and I wasn't a good hiker. Like I was learning the ropes. So It really burned my muscles, like those uphills and the downhills I love. So on the uphills, I was praising everything I could find. And on, excuse me, on the uphills, I was cussing everything I could find. And on the downhills, I was praising everything. So he's like, you're kind of half good, half evil, like the character in the movie. So not a great story. It's not the Roman emperor, but uh, it's based off of the movie Constantine.
1: I had a feeling it was based on the movie Mm -hmm. and not the Roman emperor.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's not, not that impressive. I'm just uh Keanu Reeves, uh, reincarnate, I
1: guess. Got it. Now, just to point out to your friend, Icy Hot, that's three syllables, Constantine, also three syllables.
2: Huh? Yeah. I I can never, uh, I can never say that we're the smartest out there. We're the (laughs) ones hiking thousands of miles. So yeah, I don't know. I've never actually even thought of that. (laughs) That's actually quite funny.
1: But if Constantine rolls off the tongue a little bit, um, easier than than by all means have at it yeah okay hey have you listened to any episodes of the uh, john freaking mirror pod
2: i have i actually listened to your most recent one and i've listened to a couple of your live ones when you were out on the pct before you hopped on i was saying about it was making me miss those miles out there
1: yeah i only asked because i want to make sure that you're aware of a segment that uh, we, we have it, towards the end of the episode called the pro tip insight of the week and that's why okay. I will I will turn to you and I'll say, Constantine, what do you have for us? What bit of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay, cool. You got plenty of time to think of something good.
2: I think I already have one, so I, th- okay. I think I'm ready to rock.
1: All right, hey, uh, something I'm going to surprise you with because I, I know you've seen the outline, but I, I've added in a new feature, and I, I'm calling it current events because you know every once in a while I'll be I'll be scrolling through the headlines and I'll, I'll see something that I think is very appropriate to uh to our hiking audience out there and i came across something this morning from the uc berkeley central sierra snow lab and they are reporting that they have a new december record for snowfall in the sierras 193.7 inches in the month of december and we've got a few more days left
2: oh so much snow too much yeah, it breaks the out there right
1: now. breaks the old record for December set in 1970. So that's pretty incredible.
2: Yeah, that's that's intense. Um, I can step through the snow, but it's not my preferred method. Uh, my partner and I did the GDT in 2020, and we were just picking our routes through the snow the entire time. And. Got a little bit of flashbacky there when you started telling me how much snow was there. I'm like, Mm-mm. I'm in I'm in a house right now. I'm I'm safe. I don't need to be walking through the snow right now.
1: So with that level of snow in the Sierras, I mean, what are the implications for our PCT hikers and JMT hikers this season? What can they expect? Uh,
2: they're gonna be going through, well, depends how fast it melts out. But I mean, if they're going through April, May, June, depending on how quick they get there, if they're going northbound. going to be going through a lot of swelled rivers a lot of swelled creeks um it also depends how quickly it melts out i'm not a snow expert but when we went through the the sierras on the pct we did it in 17 which was also a high snow year and it was just a lot of swelled water um, a lot of swelled creeks coming off snow melt coming off the tops of the mountain so again they can expect slower slower travel um just look at where you're going look where you're crossing and just expect slower days, um, be safe out there and just kind of know where you're putting your foot and know your footfalls be sometimes the snow can melt out underneath too. So, I mean, it's just slower miles. They can still get through it if they're, if they want to go suffer that way. So
1: I don't know, snow, slower miles, slower miles, longer days, po- the joys of post-holing.
2: Yeah. And I would, I would even recommend, I don't know, it depends on the hiker, but bringing snowshoes into the Sierras would be pretty intense. Um, they're not only heavy, but they would also really bring down the miles even farther, at least from my perspective. Some hiker might fly across the snow on snowshoes, but if you got micros or even um, crampons for some of those climbs, you should be set. Um, Micros should be able to get you through a lot of those conditions, and it's just being safe. It's just being safe and going slow. A lot of those ridges, too, on the backside is where it usually is the worst if you're going northbound, so just make sure your footsteps are secure and if somebody's broken through the path for you, make sure they're secure and kind of just put one step foot in front of the other. It's, it's not rocket science, but sometimes it's a little harder.
1: Yep. And it's not just the mountain passes either. I mean, you've got, there's going to be implications for river crossings as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The river crossings, um, I think there's the one there that everybody always fears, Evolution Creek, yep. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, when we went through in 17, we were swimming it, but the flow wasn't super hard. So, I mean, you just swim the creek and get across and look for a place that's not flowing as hard, but then there was also one, uh, you you probably know it better than me. I think it was called King's Canyon um, Creek. Yeah. King's Canyon was super swift and super fast. And that was really sketchy for us going across.
1: Yeah. In fact, in 2017, I'm glad you brought that up because my son and I were also out there uh, on the John Muir trail in 2017. Okay. And that was such a high snow year and a high water year that uh, the Rangers actually put a posting. I mean, there's all kinds of warning on social media and on the the, the National Park Service websites, but also they posted a warning um, miles ahead of where this crossing was, telling people to to find a, an alternate crossing because the main crossing was not safe that year. In fact, I think a couple people died that year.
2: Yes, um, actually, I, for, I, I am ashamed to admit, I forget what the name was, but I think one of the women that got swept away, Mm -hmm. we got to the crossing about a day or two after that event happened. And a ranger had come out and put a note like right on the tree or post right next to the crossing, kind of letting you know what was going on. And I don't know, kind of looking back, you think you know better. You think you know better being like, well, maybe I should have turned around. But it's hard to when you're trying to get that continuous footpath. And you try to balance safety and being able to push forward. So we had a good crew. We had about four or five people that we kind of did a fireman walk across, kind of hand mm-hmm. on the shoulders. But it was still super sketchy. Um, yeah, if you were up there, you ran into a lot of those creeks that were eh, <laughs> not so great.
1: Yeah, it's kind of tragic. But you and I, uh, it's for a tragic reason. But you and I were looking at that same note that same year, which is kind of interesting because I remember that, that note very clearly.
2: Yeah, it kind of impacts you especially in the middle of nowhere. Like when you're just out in nature, you don't have a lot of, you don't have cell signal. You can't really be up to date with a lot of stuff and you don't have a lot of stimulation going on. You see something that's sombering that it kind of, it hits deeper. It it hits deeper, especially knowing it's somebody like yourself that's out there never expecting that to happen and just, just traveling through the mountains enjoying themselves. And it's very, it's very sombering to read something like that when you get to it.
1: Yep. All right. So for all of you, 2022 JMT hikers and PCT hikers hitting the Sierras this this summer, uh, be careful out there. Do do your research ahead of time. Um, pay attention to the signs and and be safe. So there you go.
2: And I and I think a big thing I know you wanted to do it at the end of the segment is like, don't think you can't turn back. Um, granted, that's me coming from somebody that went through it, but it's like. You hear a lot of that nowadays because you can always come back and do those miles on a flip flop, or you can go out and hit the rest of the trail and then come back when it's safer. It's like, I know it's hard to, but don't think you're losing anything if you decide right. to turn back and go out of that section for a month or two months, or whatever it may
1: be. Right. Now, Constantine, I, I told you that there was a pro tip segment at the end of the episode, but you are free <laughs> to sprinkle throughout the episodes as many pro tips as you want. But I'm still going to turn to you at the end and ask you for your pro tips. So don't, don't, don't think you're off the hook now.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I, I, st- I think I still have a good one. Um, I'll try to keep that one in reserve.
1: Okay. All right. Keep yeah. one in the tank. Yeah. All right. Hey, another segment we do is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, Constantine, what is your must bring piece of gear out there?
2: It doesn't have to be one of the big three. It can kind of be
1: anything. It It could be a luxury item if you want. I yeah. hmm.
2: huh. uh, b- believe it or not. I think it would be my, uh, excuse me, <laughs> my balaclava, um, the face covering.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: So I can get away with not having the rest of my body kind of insulated or kind of wrapped up. So a lot of the time I'll even hike in snow in shorts, um, sometimes depending on the weather, hiking it in a long sleeve. But if this area right here is like around my face and head is cold, I just freeze. Um, there was a time on the GDT that for about 10 days straight, um, I don't think I got out of that ball of clava. Like I woke up, put it on and it was just so nasty. And there's a lot of snot rockets and a lot of nasty, nasty stuff. I won't go too much into detail there, but I wore it legitimately for 10 days straight and it saved me. So probably the ball of clava.
1: If you watch it every three days, it should be fine.
2: Yeah. But we were in a section that we didn't get to town for 10 days. So, <laughs> it was pretty gnarly there. I mean, at certain points when I would put it up, all of the snot would freeze. So it was like kind of a sheet of cardboard and sandpaper mixed together. And then you would breathe into it and it would dethaw it. But what it did was just dethaw all the snot. And then it just became a new puddle of nastiness. So even though I love to hate it, it's still the balaclava.
1: That is an image I want to get out of my mind. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very descriptive. Thank you.
2: Yeah, you didn't know what we were going into here. Um, you didn't think that question was going to take that type of turn. Um, no, yeah.
1: I, I never know what the answers might be when I ask them. So this is this is always fantastic for me and the listeners.
2: Yeah, and the brand name, um, I, it has a BS on it. I don't exactly know what the brand name is. I got it back in 17, I think, um, just from an outdoor shop. So any ball balaclava that works for you, I guess.
1: Okay, I've got one of those too. It It helps in the cold for sure. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about gear for a little bit. What was your, what was your base weight on your, your long trails? Oh
2: man. I didn't know if you were going to ask me that question. Absolutely. No idea. Um, by no way am I not, am I a ULer? um, I just shove stuff in my pack. And if it works for me, it works for me. A lot of people, a lot of my trail family have called me just like a tank before because I just try to power through it, but I don't use finesse. I kind of just like set my sight on something and just power through. So base weight my partner she might actually be able to tell you she would probably know my weight in my pack better than i would actually so absolutely no idea um i'm hoping underneath 10 pounds
1: you're hoping underneath 10 pounds that's that's pretty ultra light
2: yeah i still don't carry a lot it's just i don't weigh what i'm carrying so like for the big three um i have a hyperlight um backpack mm-hmm. and then i have a big agnes tent ul tent and then we use a um western western mountaineering
1: no it's from
2: z-packs a Z-Packs quilt so i didn't even know the brand name um, you want me to jump in here i think her base weight's about
1: 11 and a
2: half pounds. oh she told me it was over 10 that's not
1: nice oh heartbreaking heartbreaking you have to introduce your partner have her come on camera if she doesn't mind
2: yeah magpie. she's actually we just uh, picked up some stuff today so we're doing some house things but yep hello
0: hi I'm there magpie. what's your what's your name i'm magpie uh hmm and yeah
1: yes so i
0: do all the gear stuff in the family she's I, uh, the
2: gearhead yeah i
0: work for an outdoor store so <sighs> i'm the
2: spreadsheet wizard
1: nice magpie you're in charge of logistics and gear it's always good to have a partner like that i might be in charge of logistics
2: i mean we're both sort of in charge of logistics
1: i get lost every so often
2: yeah you do she's definitely in charge lot. of the
1: gear though 100 all right very <laughs> yeah. nice meeting you magpie <laughs>
2: Yeah, she's, um, we actually met back in 19 and um, yeah, I've been stepping off a mile since. So she's a really stru- strong hiker as well.
1: Fantastic. Now you, you kind of got, got a little bit into our next uh, segment here and that is the hiking pole and yeah. it's P O L L like a survey hiking pole, not, not like a <laughs> hiking pole you carry with you. <laughs> And this is really to kind of separate the, the normal hiker from the absolute uh, crazy nuts uh, hiker out there. So I'm going to ask you some questions and see which side you fall on. You ready?
2: Cool. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Boots or trail runners?
2: Definitely trail runners. 100% so.
1: Okay. And why is that?
2: Um, I carried a pair of boots on the Appalachian Trail for – when I say carried, I actually carried them. So I walked in them for a few hundred miles, and then they started falling apart. And then I was very sentimental about my first pairs of shoes on a through hike. So I actually carried them attached to my pack for another few hundred miles. So boots and me no longer get along. Um, They were too heavy. Uh, And trail runners is just, you can actually crush through some miles. And it seems the way that my foot falls upon the ground, I guess it's all kind of a learning process. So like if you Mm -hmm. were in boots, you know how to walk in those and you know how to Shift the foot so it doesn't get irritated. But I kind of just evolved into trail runners, and at this point, it's just kind of like a second skin on my foot, and I walk without problems. I guess.
1: Yeah. Now, Constantine, I have not run into a long trailer yet that has said, uh, "Oh, boots! Boots is the way to boots are the way to go. You have to do boots." everybody I've talked to so far who's done some serious mileage, they've all talked about the value of of trail runners.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know if it was kind of just the consensus of the shift in thought with hikers so like maybe if it was just more prevalent in a lot of the hikers that I don't want to say younger but a lot of the old time hikers you would see in boots like on the Appalachian Trail if you, if you saw people in the 60 plus age range that had been hiking year after year for a long time they were wearing boots so it was like just part of their standard kit so I think it's kind of just part of the hiking culture I guess at this point is just people even get into it starting with trail runners and it's just what you know at that point. So they right. just get used to it.
1: Yep. All right. Next question. And yep. you already answered this one, I think tent or tarp
2: tent, hundred percent tent. Again, I will not, you will not find me underneath a tarp. There's no way. What's 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 so bad about a tarp? If I'm going to be sleeping outside, I would much rather be cowboy camping. So like even in a tent, I don't even like putting the fly on unless I have to. So like with a tent, I just like having that, Bug netting, just in case. The
1: bugs. It's the bugs.
2: It's the bugs. But if I'm in the desert or even on the JMT and it's not bug season out there, and if I want to cowboy camp, I'm just going to put my mat on the ground, sleeping bag on the ground, and just hang out underneath the stars. So at that point, for me, it's kind of like, why have a tarp? Because if I'm setting up the tent, there's a reason I'm setting up the tent, Mm -hmm. either bugs, weather moving in, whatnot. But if I don't have to set up the tent, I'm cowboy camping.
1: Okay. Sleeping bag or quilt?
2: So individually sleeping bag, but when I hike with a partner quilt, um, the, the quilt, we both kind of sleep hot. So the quilt actually lets a little bit of more airflow in, but then having the sleeping bag, even if it's a little bit heavier, if I'm hiking individually, I like having that comfort of knowing there's a little extra material just in case. Again, I'm not a ULLer, so a couple extra grams for me or whatever it is, is okay.
1: Again, he says he's not a ULer when he's got an 11, 11 and a half pound base weight, even, you know, I know he's, I know it's not under 10, but that's still pretty impressive. Constantine.
2: I don't know how accurate she was. I hope it's underneath 10. I really think it might be.
1: I know what Constantine's doing after this interview's over. He's getting, the, he's getting the <laughs> scale out and he's weighing his gear.
2: <laughs> I actually might. Um, I got to pull it out from the closet, but yeah, I might actually do that.
1: <laughs> All right. Now this last question, this is the one that really separates the crazies from the normal people. So be careful on this one stove okay. or cold soak.
2: Oh, you ready for a twist?
1: I, I, yes. I, I've already encountered a couple of them with you. So let's, let's keep going. Neither.
2: Um, I like both, but if I had a preference, it would be neither.
1: And explain so, that. What, what do you do with neither?
2: So a lot of the time it's dependent on the trail you're doing, but so if you're pushing hard enough miles and you can get to resupplies quick enough, you can really pack out stuff that might go bad in a day or two. So you can pack out a sandwich from a town and have that for a day or two. And if you're doing 60 to 70 miles within that day or two, you're able to get to the next town. So you can pack out a lot of stuff. You can pack out hummus, you can pack out stuff that is not the classical definition of backpacking food. You don't have to hydrate it. So by the time you get to camp, you just shove your face full of food and then pass out. So it's very contingent to a type of hiking style. Like you have to be crushing through miles and you have to know what trail you're on. Like on the CDT, it's harder to do that, of course. Um, and in the Sierras it would be harder as well because you have very small outlets to get to town, but on something like the Florida trail or the NCT, you can just pick up food in town and then have that last for yeah, anywhere from 60 to hundred miles.
1: And that, that almost feels like it's kind of normal type, eating uh while you're on the trail i mean when you are doing dehydrated food I mean that's that's one set of uh that's a, that's one type of eating if you're doing cold so that's different than what you normally do back at home this is almost like back at home type style food and and uh and shoving it down
2: yeah i still eat really bad on the trail though like if i'm going i was talking about sandwiches most of the time it'll be a sandwich for dinner but then also like the stuff i'm eating through the day it's just a lot of bars and then it's also chips and candy. So it's a lot of just pre-packaged stuff. That's easy to unwrap and just kind of shove in, shove in the mouth.
1: Yeah. Some of those bars are so dense. I mean, you get bored <laughs> chewing. I mean, it's just a chore to, to choke one of those down.
2: It is um, actually funny enough. There was one bar, I forget what it was, but we were taking a very quick lunch break on the NCT this year and we were trying to hit a really high mile day. So the bar like each bite was taking me so long to chew magpie was like looking at me and just like you could feel the energy coming off of her being like okay come on hurry it up let's go we gotta go we gotta go so yeah they're dense they're very dense bars
1: yeah all right hey before we get too far down the trail let's back up a little bit i want to hear about your your background where you grew up what kinds of sports and highways did you play uh growing up and how did you get involved with the through hiking cult because that's what it is it's a cult any, any organization that convinces you to march for months on end and sleep in the dirt has got to be a cult.
2: I agree. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: so where'd you grow up? Ro-
2: so I grew up in South Carolina and um, another kind of contradiction here is I was a big ice hockey player. So I was very big into hockey and you hear South Carolina and you don't think about hockey there. No, no. So as I grew up, I was, of course, in roller hockey until I could start reaching Past South Carolina's kind of like borders to find better rinks. So, when I became a teenager, I was traveling a lot for ice hockey because Charleston, South Carolina, had a team, and then Savannah, Georgia, had a team. Charleston Chiefs.
1: All... Excuse me. The Charleston Chiefs. Uh, is that the ice hockey team? The, did you ever see Slapshot? I probably the, did, but I, the movie, movie with Paul with the movie with Paul Newman from the from the seventies. It's about, a minor, it's about a minor league hockey team, the Charleston Chiefs. Oh, you got to watch it now. It's awesome.
2: Slap, slap shot. I'm writing that down, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was traveling a lot. I was traveling a lot when I was a teen for hockey, and eventually I just wanted to pursue it at a higher level. So I ended up moving to up to Philadelphia to be on more teams, have e- easier access to hockey. And around 17 or 18, I forget what age it was, but I got a really bad injury. Excuse me a defender came and like popped my knee back, um, like knee to knee contact. And I was in a straight cast for like eight months. So that took me out of the ice at like a really critical time when people are progressing into the juniors and stuff like that. So that kind of took me out for the count. Um, And when I find a quote unquote hobby or passion, I kind of throw my entire life into it. Like I revolve my life around what it is. So like hockey that's how I kind of defined myself at that point. I was a hockey player all my life. And then I lost that. And there was a big part of my life that was lost. So I guess the years after, I was kind of looking for something to fuel it with. And I, it's kind of a common story, too. It's like a lot of hikers just kind of stumble into the trail. So I went to school back in South Carolina. And the closest place to hike was the Appalachian Trail. So we would pick apart kind of section hikes and do... I don't know, 10 to 50 miles and my knee was still in such bad shape. Like my knee would like lock up and it would just be ramrod straight for like five to 10 miles. Sometimes like I couldn't bend it again. And so eventually I decided there was kind of something there. Once I learned that you could through hike it, I wanted to see if my physical body could keep up to that degree of output again. And after that, as, as you know, as a lot of guests probably say they just got bit by the bug and then
1: yes, into it yeah a couple of follow-up questions what what position did you play in hockey left wing left wing okay yeah, yeah I, my, my parents grew up in the Midwest and so I never played uh, as a as a kid in Southern California but once I hit uh, 18 19 years old I decided I wanted to give it a shot because I grew up in the forum uh down in Inglewood watching the Los Angeles Kings back when they were not popular at all I mean there was hardly anybody in the place but uh, grew up with hockey in my life and decided I wanted to give it a shot and I played I think three or four seasons um, in an amateur adult league and uh, had three leg injuries and eventually hung up the skates. So I I, I can feel your pain. I wasn't at your yeah. level, certainly, but uh, yeah. And then it's, go ahead. Oh,
2: sorry. It, it's a brutal sport. Um, you kind of get, you have to get lucky in a certain aspect to not have a intense injury mm. if you're playing that much.
1: Right. And then you, you said something I want to touch on. And that is that when you, when you find something, you go after it, wholeheartedly you you're obsessive about it and i and i've i have found with a lot of people that i talk to about uh, various outdoor adventures there's a high degree of um obsession involved in long trail through hikers
2: i would i would agree i think it's a type of personality i guess i don't know if it'd be complete personality or some type of weird thing going on weird wiring we have up here but yeah, I noticed the same thing. A lot of the hikers that I know and that keep going after trail year after year, obsession is a good term for it. It's definitely a form of obsession. It's like you revolve your life completely around it to go out there and do
1: more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you seemed a little bit uh, put off when I said that Magpie was in charge of logistics. And I'm seeing <laughs> now with your obsessive uh, obsessiveness on, on this that you probably do a lot of planning and you probably do, and you know, that's part of, part of the pleasure of uh, planning for these hikes is, is doing the logistics and and how everything's going to work and when we leave it and how many miles and that, that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. And it's also, I I kind of pointed that out too because it's been an ongoing joke between us for about two years because I tried to bring her. (laughs) So I got almost sucked out into the ocean on the PNT. So on the Pacific Northwest trail, there's this one point near the end called, scott's point i forget what it's called but it's like close to the western terminus and the old gpx track used to have you trying to go around it and i tried to go around it when the tide was going out but it was still really high and i stepped off like directly into the ocean like water over my head so i joke a lot with her and we have this ongoing joke that follow constantine and you'll get swept out into the ocean or go off a cliff or something like that but no um we do actually get into the planning pretty good. Um, for the NCT, especially we really had to be kind of strict or kind of very in depth with planning on that trail.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. And Hey, what are you doing these days to pay the bills to, to finance your trips?
2: So I actually own an outdoor gear company.
1: Oh, you do. Okay. What's do. the name of the company? Let's plug it.
2: It's called 11 skies. It's, um, still a very small company. I formed it back in 2020. Um, Grew it in 2019 and then went public with it in 2020. And that's grown to the point that it lets us fuel our adventures and kind of step off the next mile. So right now you're looking at where I do a good amount of my work. Um, I work from home. We're up in Canada. So, yeah, she works in an outdoor, outdoor shop and um, we together kind of run the company.
1: Okay. And it's Eleven Skies? Eleven Skies spelled S-K-Y-S. S-K-Y-S. All right. And what kind of what kind of things can we find at Eleven Skies?
2: So we hyper-focused in shorts and pants. Um, we kind of found a niche within the community while we were stepping off those miles that a lot of the time, everything else was covered. If you think of a backpack, you think of three brand companies. If you think of shoes, you think of the big three. So like a lot of stuff already had that association with other companies. But a lot of the times, like especially on the CDT, I think I went through five or six pairs of shorts um, just with the bushwax. They just get shredded, all of this stuff. So as 2019, 2020 rolled around, it kind of felt like that purpose wasn't being served. There wasn't an ultralight piece of gear that would really withstand the rigors of these more intense trails. So we're hyper-focused in shorts and pants right now. And possibly this year we might branch into thermals, but I don't know. I think we're going to stay hyper-focused for pants and shorts right now.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Now we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty of uh, your hikes, including the North Country National Scenic Trail. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Muir Pod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence-inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultralight. Want to make a podcast? And welcome back. We are talking to Constantine, who is not only a triple crowner, but he is also, what did I say earlier? He is a uh, NCT hiker. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, as I looked at your, your Instagram um, page, your profile, I looked at your bio and you had, there's a whole series of acronyms there of trails that you have done. And some of them I knew. Some of them are obvious and some of them are like, I have no idea what, what this acronym stands for. So you, you've got a lot of miles under your trail runners. How, how old are you, Constantine? Uh, I'm 27. 27, 27. How many, how many thousands of miles have you put under your shoes?
2: Honestly, it's another question. Like the base weight. I, I don't know. Um, somewhere above 20,000, but I, I wouldn't know an exact, exact number.
1: That is a lot of walking. My friend. Okay. So I just want to go through the abbreviations, the acronyms uh, on your, your Instagram bio, just to make sure that everybody knows what we're talking about here. So AT, very, very, everybody knows what the AT is. PCT. Everybody knows what the PCT is. Third one. I'm already stumped. OCT. What is the OCT?
2: The Oregon coast trail.
1: Oregon coast trail. Okay. CDT. That's the the third uh, long trail to make it the triple crown. Uh the PT. Uh
2: Pinhoti Trail. I don't know if it actually is just the PT or they have a different acronym, but I just put the PT. So
1: Hey, that works for me. Okay. Pinhodi Trail. Uh PNT, Pacific Northwest Trail. Yep. Right. The IAT. Is that the International Appalachian Trail?
2: I think these two trails have the same uh acronym. So it's the Ice Age Trail.
1: Ice Age Trail, yes. Okay. I've heard of that one. Yep. Yep. Uh AZT is the Arizona Trail. The NTNST.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a mouthful. The Natchez Trail. Um, it's easier just calling it the Natchez Trace, but technically that's what their acronym is. It's
1: the Natchez Trace National Scenic Trail. Yes. That's what it stands for. I knew I knew yeah. the NC NST, the last three were National Scenic <laughs> Trail. I wasn't sure what the NT was. Okay. Yeah. GDT. You have referred to the GDT a couple of times. And I I you know, I have to admit, I, I'm not sure what the GDT is.
2: Oh man, it's the great I would,
1: it's the... I would think it's the the God darn trail.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've we referred it to it like that sometimes. It's the Great Divide Trail. So okay. it's the continuation of the CDT up north into Canada.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. How many miles is that?
2: Um, They measure it in kilometers, and my kind of conversion is not up to par. 600, 700, it depends, because they technically have two northern terminuses. Um, You can either get out at this place called... Mount Robertson, I believe, or Lake Kakwa. So it depends. And then also the northern terminus, to get where you parked your car, you have to walk like 80 miles out of the middle of nowhere. So I don't know, 600, 700 miles, somewhere in there.
1: Okay. How about the VIT?
2: Oh, the Vancouver Island Trail. Um, We actually hiked that a month after it was founded, um, officially founded.
1: Now, Vancouver Island, I know from watching alone, the early seasons of alone, they have the highest density of, of, uh, cougars and bears. Yep. That's crazy. Do you encounter yep. any out there?
2: A lot of signs, a lot yeah. of signs of bears, a lot of signs of scat, that type of stuff, but we didn't actually, Oh, I'm sorry. Near the end. There was a day near port McNeil that we ran into five black bears, but it, they don't want anything to do with you most of the time. Um, so
1: yeah, and, and Not hey, any, you're sorry. a hockey player. So, I mean, <laughs> no problem.
2: Well, it was funny. Magpie was screaming at one of the bears to make it run away. And then she started turning around and running towards me. I'm like, don't start running towards me. <laughs> so, no, she was in the lead. She can <laughs> the bears.
1: <laughs> hey Magpie, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just need to be faster than Constantine. That's all.
2: <laughs> I don't know where she went, but yeah, she, <laughs> she, she knows, she knows that she is yeah. faster than me a lot of the time too. So She's good on that.
1: Okay. S2S. Oh, that's
2: the C2 C2 Sky Trail. Um, it's a trail from Squamish up in British Columbia to the little town of Darcy. And it's a very small trail. It's like 120 miles. But I was trying to really push miles out and see how quickly I could do it in. So I like ran it out in like 52 hours or something like that
1: holy smokes it's just a yeah. small little trail only 120 miles I, i've done 125 mile hike three times and it's i haven't done it in 52 hours i'm, I'm ashamed to admit so
2: it but if you're doing it, it it depends on the miles too right so like the miles on the jmt are harder than the 125 miles here so it's dependent on the miles yeah uh
1: ft i assume is the florida trail yes the pht
2: uh potamic heritage trail
1: okay and the NET, is that the New England Trail? It is. It is. Okay. So we just went through 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 uh, different acronyms that are on your Instagram page. And I'm sure there's, there's probably some others that, we, that you didn't have listed that you. Yeah.
2: Have um, I tried to only list the National Scenic Trails or the big ones around that. Um, and if you're referring to my Instagram page, the upkeep on it is not great as as you saw the last post i had was months ago so yeah i I don't know exactly all of them
1: you probably ran out of characters that they allow you in the in the bio
2: yeah i actually did
1: (laughs) (laughs) well hey another island um trail for you is the trans catalina trail you heard of that one
2: is that the 30 miles in California? It's about, it's
1: about 38 miles. It's on an island off the coast of Long Beach, California, down in Southern California.
2: Vaguely. I vaguely, vaguely yeah. heard of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's, there's bison on the island.
2: Oh, that'd be sweet.
1: Yeah. That'd be really cool. There's signs everywhere that say, you know, don't, don't get closer than 80 feet to the bison, but the bison, they don't know how to read that. So, you know, it's, uh, you wake <laughs> up in camp and there's one standing there. So oh,
2: man, they got to teach them a, the language a little bit more. That's They need right. to have some classes for the bison. <laughs>
1: All right. Hey, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's go into detail on some of your hikes here. Let's talk about the triple crown. You know, you are a triple crowner. Is that, uh, you feel quite accomplished about that? I mean, was that something you set out to do once you had gotten some experience on the AT you said, you know what, this is something I'm going to do.
2: No, it's, it's very much kind of just the progression of going after trail after trail after trail. So like when I finished the AT, There was about a week leading up to the finish and then a week once I got off that I kind of never wanted to hike again. Like my knees were shot. Like I was broken down. I was just kind of done with it. I love the adventure part of it and the hike, but I was kind of like, that's enough. Um, so once that wore off and I wanted to hike again, you just heard about the PCT. So you're like, well, of course, that's just a natural progression. That's what I'm going to go to next. And then the same, you do one or three, once you're on the PCT, at that point, you're like, "Well, there's a CDT, and the planning too around those big three, I don't want to say is easy, but it's easier than some other trails that don't have as much information around them. So it was just a natural progression. Um, yeah, it, it was never it was never the goal. it was just kind of what happened at the end. Okay. Or at, at the beginning, I guess.
1: <laughs> and you did you did the three long trails in consecutive years? You did the AT in 2016, the PCT in 2017, and then you, you knocked it off with the CDT in 2018. Yes. And how did your how did your gear evolve from 2016 to 2018? What did you what did you learn along the way and what did you adjust?
2: I am a very slow learner. Um, so for the entirety of the AT and PCT. I carried what I called my turtle shell backpack. Like it was like a 70 liter, I think somewhere in there. And I just crammed it full of crap. Um, At this point, as you know, like I still just throw stuff in my backpack, but the evolution of gear, it took a while. It took a while for me to kind of let go of my ways. Like, as you also heard, I carried boots that I wasn't even using for a few hundred miles. So it took a while, not until the CDT, did I start really changing my gear. And at that point it was because I wanted to go faster and I wanted to go harder. I wanted it. was a different type of hike for me. So the ATM PCT was really sitting back into a pace, really enjoying the miles, like enjoying the adventure. But then when I looked at the CDT, I really wanted to start how start testing how fast I could go and start pushing my body a little more. And at that point, I knew I needed to transition away from big bulky gear. So it took a while. It took a while to learn.
1: Well, I mean, you said right at the beginning of the podcast that that you're not a finesse guy. You're kind of a brute force method kind of guy, slow learner. Uh, It's, I mean,
2: a lot of the time on the ATM PCT, I was just okay with my shoulders just breaking by the end of the day. And it was just what I knew. It was just common. So like by the time I was doing 25 thirties on the PCT with my big tank of a pack, it was just the pain that I was used to. So There was really no difference for me and there was really no reason for me to change the gear until I started transitioning the way I was hiking. Um, So there's really no impetus to spark that change. Um, I'm okay with just pushing through suffering. So I was, I was okay with it.
1: Okay. Now do you, uh, I'm going to ask you to rank those three trails. We've had a number of triple crowners on the podcast here. They all have their, their various opinions. And I think their, uh, their preferences kind of line up with, maybe what, which trail they did first or where they grew up or where they, they had heard about the most, uh, interesting to hear, you know, how it lines up for you. What, what was the best trail out there of those three?
2: Uh, we could go into some philosophy here, trying we to define could. best, but I, I won't do that to you. Um, best. If we're just going off a of gut feeling CDT, um, that,
1: Really CDT.
2: Yeah. It really transformed what I was doing with hiking. Um, what kind of I was going for and what I was testing. So it was a very transformational hike. Um, Then from there, I love Out West, PCT, and then after that, AT.
1: Okay. AT seems to fall at the, at the bottom of uh, a number of triple crowners that I've talked to. They co- they don't call it the green tunnel for nothing. I mean, there's not a lot of, of great views throughout the throughout the hike. There are some scenic points along the hike, but uh, you're, you're pretty much uh, – covered by the by the trees out there
2: it's hard um but the at out of those trails the community is the largest like the amount of social social aspect of that trail is the most quote-unquote welcoming because like all the time you're running into trail angels you're running into other hikers your trail family is just growing and growing and growing so like if that's what you love you're going to love that one the most and of course i love it because it's my first trail but like it's, it's also brutal. It's, it's a hard hike. It's a very hard hike. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason people get through it is because of that group of strength of social aspects around it. So I understand why people rate it down there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and by the same token though, I've had other people who will fight to the death to tell you that that is the best trail. That is their favorite trail and you cannot convince them otherwise.
2: I get both mentalities. That's why I said we could go into the philosophical part of it a little bit. He's like, that's the gut feeling of where I'm coming from with the ranking, but it depends also what you're ranking it on. Like if you're ranking it on kind of the best trail to acclimate into through hiking, the best trail to learn about who you are as a hiker, the best trail to like meet other hikers, AT is going to be at the top of the list. So it's really depending how you're ranking them.
1: Right. Now for those, for those three long trails, let's, let's talk about some highlights and some lowlights. You know, what, what were some of your your favorite memories from that experience out there on those three? Can, do you have a couple you can share with us?
2: Yeah. um, Mount Whitney, actually funny enough, when we were talking Mount Whitney, we actually woke up for, to try to get to the top before sunrise. And that was awesome. We had camped close to guitar Lake a little bit before wherever that boundary was that you can't camp within and we had to step some hard miles to get up there and I still had my tank of a backpack and I remember just suffering so much to get up there for the sunrise but we made it and by the time we made it it was just like so worth it um I can't describe the feeling at the top there with kind of the sun coming up and knowing you're at the tallest point around in the continuous 48 we had such a great crew we kind of hung out there for an hour or two and then we actually did Forrester Pass and getting close to Glen that day. So it was a really good hiking day, too. Um, that was awesome on the PCT. And at this yeah, that, point, that's, too- that's pretty
1: epic. I mean, that, the, up, up at the top, uh, that is, it is quite a sensation. And uh, you know, just knowing that nobody at that point is higher than you, that isn't in an airplane you know, over the U.S., yeah. is, is pretty incredible. And <clears throat> there's a campsite. I don't know if you saw it. There's a campsite just below the, the Whitney Trail sign. You know, where it says 1.9 miles, just below that sign, there's a a little, there's a spot for maybe six or eight tents. And I've, I've camped at that, at that location a couple of times at 13,400 feet. It is just incredible, uh, incredible views from that vantage point.
2: Oh, so lucky, man. It was actually, we could see the lights when we had gotten, um, up that morning, we could see the people that were up there. So we knew it was full, but we also didn't know about it until we had climbed up there. So even if we would have gotten up there, I don't think we would have had room but yeah, super jealous. That it looked like an epic camp spot.
1: It was. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and then for highlights, lowlights, it's kind of hard to pick out exact things. Um, like for the desert in the CDT, I really, really love that section. Um, if we had a longer conversation around it, I could narrow it in and tell you like the days. But for this format, it's kind of like <clears throat> the broad desert of the CDT was just so barren comparatively to the pct desert that it really showed me the differences between how much difference can be in one term like just the desert how different how different it could be like there was nothing in the cdt desert and i love that i absolutely loved getting my water from cow tanks um just looking on the horizon and just feeling the desolate (laughs) around you i loved that um Love the Sierras on the PCT and then highlights um, or low lights. Uh, let's see if I can get, get a low light for you. Uh, slogging through Washington uh, in some rainy days was rough for us, uh, but we also were pushing like into the higher 30 mile day. So you kind of balance the low light with the highlight there. Um, again, it's, it's amazing that hikers minds guild the bad parts. So like trying to pick out a low light again if we talked longer I might be able to narrow it in but my yeah. mind's just gilding over and seeing like my mind is like your background right now it's just seeing all the pretty stuff it's just yeah. seeing the fun.
1: Yeah, the human brain is funny that way. It it has a yeah. tendency to forget the bad and remember hang on to the good. And uh as my mom would say that's why that's why there there are multiple children in families. It's because the 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 mother forgets the agony of childbirth and and says, okay, let's do this again. Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I, can, I guess I can give you one low light. I carried okay. a bottle of ranch on the AT for some reason. And I learned that was a mistake when it exploded in my backpack. That was, that was not a fun, fun day. Um, don't carry ranch on trail is, is, <laughs> is, is I guess my other pro tip, but I don't think people need to hear that. They probably know that. So don't carry bottles of ranch on trail.
1: Oh man, that must've been a messy pack, messy, 70 pound pack, a 70 liter pack. It was nasty. It
2: was super nasty. Um, and I don't think I washed it out for two or three days after that. Again, I just pushed through until something makes me change. So I just kept pushing through with it. But I don't know. I, I think it's just any trail you have, you're going to have low lights, But they're heavily outweighed with why you're out there and what you're enjoying out there. So nothing that sticks in my head enough that I would want to mm-hmm. let people know about it.
1: Okay. Now about how long did you spend on each of those long trails?
2: Uh, It went down. So as the trails got bigger, the time went down. So AT was six months and six days. PCT was five months and four days. And then CDT was four months and four or five days.
1: Okay. Um, So So the longest trail took you the shortest amount of time of those three.
2: Yeah. Just kind of the progression of how I was hiking and, what I was going out there for. So, and as you get more skills and more confident out there, you can do bigger miles. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, after being out there for months, when you get to the, when you get to the finish point, when you get to Katahdin, when you get to the, uh, the monument at the uh, Canadian border for, uh, the PCT and for the CDT is post-trail depression. Is that a thing? Did it hit you hard?
2: Uh, It depends how you define it. So like, I don't, I don't necessarily think it hit me in the classic term of post-trail depression. I know a lot of people feel it in different ways, but when I finished the AT, I was ready to be done at that point. Like I was ready to stop hiking for at least a little bit. And I think I alleviated it if it could have arisen by just being so busy, I couldn't think about it. So like, as soon as I finished these trails, I would instantly go back into work and just consume my time like seven days a week working two jobs just so I could go out to the next trail. So like I would consume myself so fully. I had no time to maybe feel that and think that. And my partner, she likes to uh, tell me that I just stay so busy so I can't feel my feelings. So maybe that's part of why it didn't hit me as hard. But yeah, I, I never felt the quote unquote classical form of it. Like I could see it in varying degrees how it could arise, but I don't know. I just stayed very, very busy to the point that I guess I didn't feel my feelings.
1: I think that post-trail depression for me would be offset by pizza elation.
2: Hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just getting back to some, some, some good food. Unless you, unless, I mean, you hitting the trail towns, you maybe just pack some, pack some pizza with you out there.
2: We do. Um, there was one time we finished up a trail. It was the GDT again, actually. And I hope she doesn't hear this. Magpie told me that I had to eat four dozen donuts within 24 hours. (laughs) She did hear it. She's like, no, it wasn't her idea. It was my idea. Um, So I decided to eat four dozen donuts within like 24 hours. And the amount of uncomfortable, like bloatedness I felt, it was terrible. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess pizza or donuts, whatever you want to find your solace in
1: oh man four dozen donuts in 24 hours that is that's craziness that's a lot of sugar
2: yeah it was so uncomfortable it was once I get into a joke I can't get myself out of it so like I had told her for a while that I wanted to do this and I wanted because I thought it would be funny and it just backfired on me. I just was so uncomfortable and so broken down that I couldn't stop though. I had to finish the joke. So it was very uncomfortable.
1: Now, top three topics on the trail on any long trail, what are the top three topics of conversation? I know two of them. I'm interested to hear what your third one is.
2: Um,
1: I would say again, one is depend- one is food, right?
2: Yeah. One is food. We talk quite a lot about philosophy, um, just weird philosophy, just okay. how the brain works um, and how your brain does weird thought tangents. So like, we have the weird thought tangent and then kind of try to unpack it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I guess philosophy, but then also if you're hiking around a lot of other hikers, bowel movements. Um, That's right. That's right. You, you, you prove,
1: you prove my point. The yeah. top two topics are usually uh, food and, and bodily uh, functions. And then uh, third, yeah. your third was philosophy. Very good. Yeah. Okay.
2: I, and it's, you also talk about like, I don't know. There's kind of a competition of who had the most beautiful and serene poop, like who had the best spot and (laughs) who had like the best view and who had the best story. And I don't know. It's, it's fun trading stories with that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Trying to one up the other person. My view was better than yours when I was, when I was taking a crap this morning.
2: Or you try to one up with the embarrassment factor too, like what happened to you while you were doing it. So yeah, it's, it's always some type of combination of the
1: two there well let's let's give that a shot constantine Uh-oh. i Uh-oh. i was uh i was doing my business on the on the jmt one morning and came face to face with a deer that wanted to know what the heck i was doing pooping where i was pooping it's like hey i eat here what do you what, what's going on
2: <laughs> oh no yeah that's that's awkward
1: <laughs> how about you you gotta get a more awkward moment
2: yeah it uh, i i guess i can say this um So it was, again, on the GDT, Um, we were walking into town, and to get into town, you had to do this massive road walk. So on a road walk, when you still got to do business, you got to find somewhere to do the business. So it's a completely empty road, like not many cars are passing us, it's middle of nowhere. So I felt pretty confident I could pull off into these trees and kind of go about my business and do what I need to do. So where I pulled off, there's also kind of like an old rusty gate. So, like, it was next to this dirt road. So, like, if you're picturing it, there's a road here and then a road here. And I'm like, there. So, there's this dirt road, rusty gate with a lock on it. Doesn't look like it's been used ever. So, I'm like on the side of the road in the brush doing my business, pants around the ankles. A full tour bus pulls up with tourists going to whitewater rafting, and they had to stop to unlock that gate. So they're literally stopped here and I'm right here making multiple eye contacts with all these tourists. And the guy comes out, opens up the gate and they slowly pull away. And it was just, I couldn't do anything. Like they saw me, I saw them at this point. I don't know what they want. So they had a fun story for their vacation, I guess.
1: Constantine, you win, you win. That's, (laughs) that is a much more embarrassing story. Although we've all had moments where, We've thought that we have take we have picked a spot off trail that is nice and secluded, and we don't realize the trail bends back on itself. And lo and behold, uh, you're you're doing your business, and someone comes walking by. And you're like, "Oops, hey, how you doing?"
2: Yeah, I don't want that prize. I, I don't want to win that category. Thank you though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, hey, let's talk about uh, the trail that really intrigued me when uh, when you reached out to me, and that is the North Country National Scenic Trail. Tell us about that. I, I, I don't think a lot of our listeners know about the North Country National Scenic Trail. I didn't know about it. So you know, where, where is it located? How many miles is it? Um, what kind of terrain can, can you expect to find out there?
2: Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll try to spark notes it so I don't ramble too much. Okay. Um, it's another national scenic trail. So like the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, Continental Divide, it falls within that umbrella of national scenic trails and it's the longest National Scenic Trail in the country. So their website says it spans about 4,700 miles, but we uh, GPS tracked it and we pulled 4,833. Super long trail. Um, It goes from, oh, not Ohio, it goes from Vermont, actually the main junction um, of the Vermont Long Trail and Appalachian Trail. It goes from there to middle of kind of nowhere North Dakota. So it's 4,800 miles long, but technically it's because of all the loops. So like, if you walked from, you could walk from the East coast Atlantic ocean to the Pacific uh, coast, Pacific ocean. You could walk there and back half a time, the same amount of miles it would take you for, to walk from Vermont to North Dakota.
1: So it is so, not a straight trail. It, it has a lot of, a lot of curves to it.
2: No, we we had a joke of, that the trail association was just seeing how much of a circle a hiker would walk in before they said no. Because sometimes there was a loop that you had to do like 18 miles or you could have just done a mile across. And you understood why, because it's a trail that I think they're getting really better about through hiker support and building it for through hikers. But it was definitely a trail that was built with the idea in mind of day hikers and section hikers. That's where a lot of the use has gotten from. So that 18 mile loop for a day or section hiker, absolutely amazing because it brings you through some beautiful areas, but for a through hiker that's fighting weather windows, sometimes that can be really tough mentally. So yeah, it goes through eight States, Vermont, New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota. Um, Wisconsin, I'm sorry. I forgot Wisconsin and North Dakota.
1: Very good. You named them all. I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna try and pin you down there. That's, uh, I'll be putting you on the spot, but good job. Oh, thanks. I also have in my notes, I did my research as well, that it also traverses more than 160 federal, state, and local public lands and over 100 state parks, forests, and game areas. Yeah. Wow.
2: It goes through, I mean, any trail that long, it's going to go through some amazing things. And they really did route it wanting to put you in as much wilderness as possible when you're walking through the middle of the country. So that was amazing that they were able to do that. Um, There's a lot of private land issues in the Northeast um, sometimes, but it's an ongoing trail. Um, They're still working and still trying to create as much wilderness that they possibly can.
1: Mm -hmm. And what year did you do the, the, uh, uh, the North country national scenic trail
2: this year? We actually finished it close to a little over a month ago okay month and a half about
1: so that's gonna be my question was did you do this solo or with a friend and it sounds like you did it with magpie
2: i would have gone absolutely insane if i did it solo (laughs) i i did it with magpie yeah we did it together
1: and when when did you start so we know you, you finished about a month ago but uh and we're actually recording this right at the very end of december so you finished late november
2: Month and three quarters ago, I guess. Early November.
1: Early November. And when, when did you start the trail?
2: We started May 1st and ended November 3rd.
1: Okay. So about six months.
2: Yes. Slightly over. We we wanted to go for either four to five months, but the mental fatigue that we hit at some points really hurt us hard with some zero days, but we, we were stepping off the miles as hard as we could.
1: Mm-hmm. How many zeros did you take?
2: I have a spreadsheet somewhere. Um a little over or under 10 somewhere within that ballpark
1: well that's not bad
2: we it was a lot of double zeros so like we actually i don't know if i should i guess i'll say it we actually got vaccinated while we were on the trail Mm -hmm. and we both had severe side effects for two days Mm -hmm. um and then there were two days that we also had bad water so we had very messed up stomach issues from bad water and then there were a few days that were kind of like general fatigue and sickness and then three to four of the zeros were just pure mental fatigue of a trail that long and a lot of it actually happened in hot ohio because it was just so hot but yeah a lot of the zeros were not needed but i guess they were needed in a sense
1: still over the course of six months 10 zeros that's nothing
2: it felt like a lot we we didn't we weren't going for that um it was just purely, it, it ground us down a little more than we anticipated. Sure. Um, yeah, it was just so long that sometimes when you were stepping hard miles, it felt like you, I've used this analogy before, but it felt like you were filling up a bucket with holes in it. Like you were throwing in a hundred miles like real quick in like three days or something. And then all of a sudden you had 4,000 whatever miles left. And it's like, it didn't feel like you were chipping away at it. So it wasn't giving you that drive.
1: Yes. Now you did 40, 4,800 miles with your significant other, girlfriend, wife, fiance, girlfriend, girlfriend,
2: um, wife, maybe <laughs> I, I don't want to get you in
1: trouble. Um, so 40, 4,800 miles with your significant other, we'll just say significant other out there. What is that? What is that dynamic like? I mean, cause you're out there, at, you've just admitted it's a very stressful situation at times. I mean, it's a, it's a grind. Uh, I have to imagine over the course of 4,800 miles, she knows exactly who you are and you know exactly who she is by the time you guys are finished. How did did that all work for you?
2: So we knew who each other were very well before going into it. Um, We'd done a lot of long distance trails beforehand. So like we actually met on a long distance trail. So we really knew and respected who the other person was. I think the NCT let us dive deeper into how both of us manage pain and suffering individually and also collectively. So again, if she was on, she might have a different answer for this, but when I, to get through suffering for me, I find a very, I find comfort in childlike humor or like deep, absurd levels of humor. I get super weird and I get super jokey and that's how I, that's how I find comfort. And she goes internal. She goes internally and gets quiet and sues herself with just that type of peace so we had different ways we were individually handling our stress. And when you combined it, sometimes I had an ongoing joke that would tell her not to walk across bridges because there were 20 ton weight limits. And I would say this like all the time, but it was, it was playing on the joke that as hikers, you're super emaciated. So of course you're not big, you're emaciated. So it was playing on the absurdity of that. And she said it went from funny to annoying to funny again so we knew who each other was and we also really respected and there was an unspoken language to it too so like sometimes yeah you're gonna grate on somebody's nerves for a little bit but we also knew we could step off the miles and just a little bit of space within 10 20 minutes whatever it may be come back together and get stronger through it so it was balanced. Um, it was just knowing, like you said, it was knowing each other and knowing what the other needed and looking out for what the other needed.
1: Mm-hmm. I imagine, and I've said this to other couples who have spent considerable amount of time on the trail with each other. Imagine if you have been able to survive, if your relationship has survived a 47, 4800 mile hike, that you guys can pretty much uh, survive anything in terms of your relationship.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also have the joke. I'm really happy that NCT didn't have more cliffs on it. Um, cause I might've ended up in the gully somewhere, but <laughs> it's a joke. It's a complete joke, but yeah, I think we did come out stronger than it. Um, when we were getting close to the terminus, we had a few hour conversation about what that meant to us and getting through that trail, what we found within ourselves and then what we found collectively as a partnership. And yeah, I think we came out of it stronger.
1: Mm-hmm. What do your families think of, or what did, what did they think when you said, Hey, I'm, we're going to do this 40 mile hike
2: it's just our lives at this point. There, there wasn't a big difference for them. Um, my folks, they just knew I'd have been doing this for so long year after year that it wasn't, it wasn't really a difference for them. Um, 4,800 miles, 2,200 on the AT just longer. It's just a longer hike. So not a big deal. Her folks, um, also very supportive. She's been living this same type of life for six years. So, They get used to it. They get used to this type of lifestyle and they know that's what makes you truly happy. So they support it in the ways that they can understand and know about it.
1: Okay. Hey, finish the sentence for me. The best part about the North Country National Scenic Trail was?
2: The length. Um, That would have been a different answer about a month ago. Um, About a month ago when we finished, that would have been a different answer. But with that length, it really... Let you test yourself every day within your mentality and physicality. And it really made you dig past points that I personally didn't find on other trails. Like it made you find a different threshold to find enjoyment and peace within the day. So I would say the length because the length encompasses everything within that, Um, the trail community, the people that you run across, um, our partnership going through it. So yeah, it would be a different answer about a month ago, but looking back length
1: okay and that leads me to the next question the reason i like long trails is
2: i don't know (laughs) i like walking i like hiking i like the outdoors i like the people out there again it's such an open-ended question that we could sit here for a few hours and i just keep listening to all stuff um it's endless it's just you always get something different and you always have an experience that it's not necessarily what you're looking for sometimes, but it's what kind of, I don't know, it, it teaches you something. It's its hard. It's impossible for me to define that. I love almost everything about it. So it's very hard to define.
1: Okay. So did you go east to west or west to east on the, on the north country?
2: We went from Vermont to North Dakota.
1: Okay. So westbound. So what does Constantine, standing in North Dakota, having just finished the North country national scenic trail, what does that Constantine whisper into the ear of Constantine showing up at Springer mountain?
2: Wow. That was a, that caught me off guard. Um, Wow. I want to say a joke because that, that's, that's a question that makes me feel a lot. So I like, trying to hide it with a joke. I would say something in a Mickey mouse voice maybe, but, um, Oh, I don't know. I think I'll just tell him keep hiking. Um just keep walking. It's I don't think I'll try to give him any words of wisdom or anything complex. Um, I wouldn't want to foreshadow anything for him either, because I would want him to completely experience what he did over these past few years without any plans, without any hints, without any tips and tricks. Um, because that's part of the fun. That's part of the journey is like getting to go through that. So it would be something simple. It would be something simple that would make him kind of question why is this person talking to me (laughs) it
1: would be a mickey mouse voice just keep walking now i'm curious why why did that question give you the feels
2: it's i don't know because thinking back on where i was six years ago to where i am now um, and doing all these trails it's just become so ingrained into me that this is my life that I don't know. There's a big difference, I think, between who I was six years ago and who I am now. And I would like to say it's a better difference. I'd like to say I've grown. Um, It is always dependent on what other people say, because I can think I've grown. um, But if other people don't, I won't go too much into that. But it's it's a big change. It's a big change for me. And I think that past Constantine needed those miles and needed those years to get to the point he is today. But it's a big change.
1: Love it. The transformative, uh, nature of nature and the trail. I mean, it, uh, you enter it in one state and it, one state of being, and you, you exit it, uh, having been changed. And like you said, for the good.
2: Yeah. And it's amazing how something simple as walking can be a conduit for changing life. Um, in so many aspects, it doesn't have to be a full life change, it can be a micro thought change that just fuels your fire and gives you the energy to go back. And if you only want to do one trail, go back and work for the next 20, 30 years, whatever you want to do. It's amazing how something so simple can be so complex.
1: Yep. Now you've just finished 4,800 miles. The, the memories of the pain is uh, faded from your, from your mind. Uh, what's next for Constantine? What, what, what are you planning?
2: So we're really stoked this year to kind of do a road trip in the Southwest and do trail magic for a lot of hikers because this year and last year, we did a lot of trails that there's not necessarily a lot of other through hikers around. There's a trail community around these trails, like with the Trail Association, Trail Angels, but not a whole bunch of other through hikers. Um, North Country Trail, like you said, Apple Pie's out there. Mm-hmm. Steady did it this year. That's three people on 4,800 miles. So we want to be able to give back to the community and be surrounded in that again. So starting around March or April, we hope to travel in the Southwest with the PCT and the CDT and maybe the AZT as well and set up little pop-up trail angel type stuff for those hikers um, while at the same time hitting a few hundred to 500 mile long trails just in between the travel. And then... If possible, we don't know yet. The Te Aurora, if those borders open, we hope to do that this winter, which would be their summer. And maybe if we can fit in a Sobo PCT hike, maybe.
1: Okay. Now the TA in New Zealand, if you're preparing for that, you should listen to my episode with uh, Elena Osborne, tap.
2: Oh, yeah. I've yeah, she,
1: she did a fantastic job uh, describing her experience out there as well as on the PCT. And uh, she was a lot of fun to talk to.
2: Yeah, I've heard some really great things about the TA. Um, I wanted to do it after the CDT, because it's kind of called the jewel on top of the triple crown. Um, but then other trails grabbed my attention. So I've been stoked about the TA for a while.
1: Okay. And if you ever do trail magic down here in Southern California, let me know ahead of time. I'll, I'll join you.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome. We had a van, but unfortunately rats in this off got into my partner's van. So I think we're going to end up just doing it with a Subie or something like that. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get Reach out.
1: All right. What kind of Subie? Um
2: 2005. I'm not a car person. She knows better than I
1: do. Okay. Out, is it an Outback? I want to say yes, okay. but I
2: would also be saying yes to something that I don't know well, so. as
1: a, as a, as a, a fellow Subie owner. Oh, I'm with you. Nice. Very good. Oh, awesome. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. Uh, well, actually I'm ahead of myself here uh Constantine do you know where we are uh (laughs) we are at that point of the set of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week what nugget of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better
2: if you do carry ranch don't carry carrots I got no I got a a better one (laughs) um I would just say don't go too fast um a lot of weight especially lately, is put around people going fast. Um, And if that's what you truly enjoy, do it because that's what you actually enjoy. But going into hiking, especially if it's your first hike, just walk. Um, Like we were talking about earlier, just walk. It doesn't have to be a set amount of miles. Um, Don't put pressure on yourself to do what others around you are necessarily doing because it might push you out of it. It might push you out of that enjoyment. If you want speed, Eventually it will come naturally if that's what you're looking for. Um, just don't go too fast. Um, Actually sit back and let the trail come to you in the ways that it's going to come to you.
1: Okay. Excellent advice. Hike your own hike. Don't feel that outside pressure to do what others uh, think you should be doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. it's It's definitely that. It's also like, I think where we've been going a lot in the hiking community is, there's all this weight and how fast you can go. And again, it's amazing because that's where people like to do, but it shouldn't filter down to people that don't want to do that. If people that don't want to do it, don't do it.
1: We can't all be uh, setting FKTs out there. So slow down and enjoy. Yeah. Okay. So now there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Constantine. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Constantine, how can our listeners keep, keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: Oh, I got so much random stuff. Um, just 11 skies. That, that would be the easiest. Um, yeah. I, I would say just go to 11 skies. That's the easiest where we actually post the most.
1: Okay. And is that an Instagram account or is that a website?
2: It's an Instagram account, website, Facebook. um,
1: Okay. 11 skies. Got it. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Constantine, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, some kind of adventure media that will keep our listeners connected to the, to the trail. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us?
2: Can I do a website? Absolutely. Um, I really like what Legend's doing over on backpacking routes, um, showing that you don't have to go out and do 1,000-mile-long trails. You can go 20 to 50 miles. You can go 100 to 200 miles. There's so many trails out there that showing that there's that a type of availability and might spark something that somebody else thinks about. So I really like what he's doing over there, showing these other places that there are trails.
1: Yeah. Legend. He is. He's been on a couple of times on the podcast and somewhere along the line, we we exchanged phone numbers and just out of the blue, literally like uh, I think it was it was Christmas or the day after Christmas. I get this random text from him. Uh, just, he says, he's catching up on episodes and he's having fun listening. And and just, uh, you know, it was, it made my year. I had to show my phone to all my family and I said, Hey, look who just texted me. They're like, who's this legend guy? I saw you, you don't understand, but uh, made, yeah. made my year. So he,
2: he's a great guy. He's he's a good guy.
1: Yep. For sure. And Hey, before we wrap things up, I've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about?
2: Hmm. You didn't pick up on the Mickey mouse voice.
1: Do some Mickey Mouse for us. Let's hear it.
2: Oh, um, I <laughs> I guess I should. It's uh, who do you work for? DreamWorks. <laughs> I would say that. I think I said that this year. 10,000 times. It got magpie fuming mad. She said Mickey Mouse couldn't come home with us. But as we know, Mickey Mouse is in the heart too deep.
1: He seems to be there with you guys. So,
2: yeah. He's part, he's part of our life now. Um, we've tried to get rid of him. We've tried to exercise him, but he's part of our life now. And that's how we got through the miles, really.
1: I imagine after 4,800 miles, you know how to push her buttons and she knows how to push your buttons.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: it's all, but it's we find enjoyment and fuel in that. And it's, it's how you get through the days, those, those tough days, is finding the absurd and recognizing it for what it is. And that's where we have fun. So Mickey Mouse okay. was a big part of that. She tried to... rid of him but nope
1: mickey mouse would not die (laughs) she said
2: that term many times with different uh (laughs) emphasis in that in that uh sentence yes
1: that might be the title for this episode i love it very good okay (laughs) hey that's a wrap from the john Freaky mirror studio any shout outs to friends and family constantine yeah
2: just uh shout outs to I i don't know any other hikers um nobody specific I don't know. I, I don't do specific, really. Shout outs So just everybody else out there stepping off any type of other miles, just keep having a good time.
1: Keep stepping. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your balaclava has a frozen layer of snot. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>
0: miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment you're listening to the waypoint podcast network brought to you in part by hunt stand the number one hunting and land management app